0: We are currently in a series of sermons entitled, Engage Bristol. And if you didn't get one of these flyers a few weeks ago out of your bulletin, there's still some back on the Welcome Center, feel free to pick one up. Uh, the sermons are outlined here through the middle of February, so you've got an idea of where the topics are going with the uh, scripture for each week. i give you a little heads up. There's also some great devotional readings uh, from uh, version of the Bible, the Bible app, and these are last anywhere from 14 to 35 days and just some really good good devotional readings i would encourage you to pick these up and uh, tear into some of those devotionals and takes a few minutes every day it's a good way to start your day last week we talked about jesus giving us the command that we would be his witnesses and the scripture said we would be his witnesses to jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, we're looking at Jerusalem as Bristol. We will be his witnesses to Bristol. So today, we're talking about weeping for our city. And this, as well as the next five weeks, are all structured toward helping us be better equipped to uh, engage Bristol. We have a three-year plan currently going on here. And last year, we focused on prayer and study and being better equipped. This year, our target was to engage Bristol. So you're going to hear a lot of this. We're going to do a lot of things. We're going to try to do a lot of outreach. We are going to try to really be visible to make a difference in our community. Well, you know, Mark's not here today, and he didn't give me the joke. But he gave me the password to his joke site. So, so, y'all in trouble for a long time. That's all I can tell you. And I was poking around through there, and it's no wonder he comes up with some of these bad jokes. And I gotta tell you, he actually picks some of the better ones. but there's, there's, <laughs> there's some really bad ones in there. But I stumbled across this story about a couple that had been married for several years. And everything was pretty good in their life, you know. Their their income was stable. Their their kids were okay. And everything was going all right. But they were just kind of flat. Had a little, you know, just, just, just flat. Just things weren't on fire anymore. And it troubled the husband. So one day he's looking at his wife over breakfast. And he says, just tell me, what kind of husband do you think I am? Well, she kind of... Took a big drink of orange juice and backed up for a minute and thought. He thought she was thinking too long, and she says, "Well, I'll just tell you, Sam." She says, "I think you're a model husband." And, hmm, that's pretty good. So he finished his breakfast and he took off to work. And a couple of days he wandered around pretty puffed up, cause hey, I'm a model husband. That sounds pretty good to me. But then he got to thinking about it. Maybe I better look it up so he breaks out the dictionary and he looks up model. And he he sees an imitation, a smaller version, a representation thereof. And he says, hmm, maybe that's not what I want to be. So hold on to that thought. We'll come back to it. Let's look at our text now. Today, we're in Luke 19, uh, verses 41 through 44. And if you grab one of the pew Bibles there in front of you, it's on page 853. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Let's pray, folks. Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for everything you do for us, all the blessings you pour out on us, for us knowing you care about us. And Lord, we thank you for this time you give us this morning to come together and look into your word. And we thank you for this example of the heart of Jesus and what we meant to him. Help us to have open hearts and minds, Lord, that we might be receptive to your word, that we might not squelch the Holy Spirit, but we would allow it to be at work in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much that Jesus died for us. That's in his name we ask these things. Amen. All right, so let's set the scene just a little bit for this chunk of scripture. Normally, we'd look at this probably on Palm Sunday or right around Easter. Because this is what we know is a triumphal entry if we look if we looked at a few verses before this the crowds are coming up alongside the road Jesus is riding on a donkey the crowds are coming up alongside the road waving palm branches laying their cloaks on the road you know a lot of hubbub a lot of uh, a lot of excitement we know that Jesus and his disciples were intentionally going to Jerusalem now when they said they're going to Jerusalem it's not like us saying oh we're gonna to run to John City for dinner no this is this was an ordeal because actually if you look back uh, you look back in Scripture if you look back to Mark chapter 9 verse 31 you'll see that at the time of Jesus' transfiguration he and Moses and Elijah were actually standing there having a conversation and his disciples heard it and they didn't understand it but Moses and Elijah and Jesus were talking about the fact that Jesus' departure was coming soon and that he was going to fulfill this in Jerusalem. So from that moment on, that was their destination as they traveled and taught and did, you know, Jesus was doing miracles and they were teaching and they were witnessing, but they were on the way to Jerusalem. And there's a lot that happens between Mark chapter 9 and today's text. So you know, this had been a journey. This had been where they were going for a long time. You know journeys were tough back then sandals and donkeys and dirt a lot of walking not 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 like we know it so they really had been on this endeavor as they crest the last ridge we're told in the scripture which happens to be the mount of olives and they crest this ridge and they can see across the kidron valley and see into jerusalem so you would think this is a time of excitement and enthusiasm. Hey, we're almost there. After this journey, we're here. But what's Jesus say? Let's look again at verses 41 and 42. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus wept because the city would not see his peace. Jesus wept over Jerusalem here instead of being excited and joyful, which which Jesus had to have a lot on his mind. He knew what was going to transpire in the next few days. But Jesus wept for the state of the city. But let's think for just a second. Jesus wasn't known to weep. He wasn't known to break down. Actually, in, in the Bible, we're told of three times that Jesus weeps. Here, over Jerusalem. We're told that he wept as he approached the tomb of Lazarus, when Lazarus was in the tomb. And we're told he wept in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he's led away to be crucified. So for Jesus to be to the point of weeping, I think this is something that was important to him and powerful and really, really emotional to him. Jesus rightfully could have been weeping for himself here because he was the only one that knew the horror that was in front of him a week later. But that wasn't it. He was looking at the state of Jerusalem, the state of the folks there. The Sadducees were against the Pharisees. The Pharisees are against the Sadducees. The Jews are against the Romans. The Romans are against the Jews. You know, there they were there were people at this time that were actually murdering people in terribly vile, despicable ways, and a crowd would come out to watch. I mean, just a really nasty, terrible, out-of-control society. Jesus wept. Because here he's seeing, you know, what started out as a creation in the garden has degenerated into just a, just a crazy, out-of-control wilderness. More than that, he wept because the people didn't see. The people just did not see him. They didn't. They knew God. They knew about God. they have been taught about God since they were little. They memorized Scripture. But they didn't understand. You know, Jerusalem should have been a peaceful city. Actually, the name of Jerusalem means city of peace. And Jerusalem was special to God. Jerusalem is an ancient civilization, one of the oldest continually spots on earth Jerusalem is so special to God that it's mentioned over 800 times in the Bible by name 660 in the Old Testament 146 times in the New Testament we see Jerusalem called out from Joshua chapter 10 I believe through Revelation but technically, if you go back and really look at it, Jerusalem shows up in chapter fourteen of Genesis. That's a city called Salem during the days of Melchizedek. So Jerusalem is throughout God's is in God's mind throughout the entire Bible. Jerusalem occupied really a special place. In Second Samuel chapter five, we see King David selecting Jerusalem as the capital city. This is kind of a different selection for a capital city. It's up on a high area with deep, rough valleys around it. So that makes sense because it's defensible. It has water supplies there that run year-round. In that desert country, that was a reason. But there's no major roads. There's not a river. There's not a seaport. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why he's like, huh, why would that be the capital? God's always at work, isn't he? Because you see, when King David was setting up Jerusalem as capital, King David was from the tribe of Judah. His predecessor, King Saul, was from the tribe of Benjamin. Jerusalem just happens to be right on the border between those two tribes' territories, kind of like a God thing in him. We see the specialness of Jerusalem throughout the Bible. Matthew 5.35, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount calls Jerusalem the city of the great king. Let's go on and look at verses 43 and 44. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus wept. I'm sorry, I read the wrong text, so excuse me. (laughs) I looked at the wrong way. Let's go to 43 and 44, like I said, not 41. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls, They will not leave one stone on another. Jesus wept, for he knew the devastation coming. Jerusalem, like I said, was one of the longest constantly occupied areas in the world. Throughout Jerusalem's 3,500, 4,000 year history, it's known more conflict than peace. Jerusalem has been attacked more than 50 times. Been captured and recaptured more than 40 times. More than 120 major conflicts have involved Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been besieged more than 20 times. Jerusalem was totally destroyed twice. Once when the Babylonians invaded and destroyed Jerusalem, took the Israelites into captivity, and what Jesus saw, the coming devastation, it was going to be about 40 years from where they are right now. He knew Jerusalem would be destroyed again. More than that, when Jesus looked at the devastation and the pain, he saw today. He saw beyond. He saw however long time goes. He sees it all, he sees it laid out. His heart aches for the devastation and pain of the city of Jerusalem. Let's look at 44. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. We look at the people In first century Jerusalem. It's easy for us to point fingers and say, what's the matter with those folks? Jesus was right there. Didn't they see? Didn't they pay attention? Didn't they listen? He was right there. No, they didn't recognize him. They didn't see him. And it's easy for us to point fingers at them. Well, let's think a minute. First century Jerusalem, very few people could read and write. Nobody had a radio or TV. Nobody had Facebook. Most of what they knew was passed from somebody came and told you and somebody else, you told somebody else. So a lot of the citizens had crossed paths with Jesus, maybe just seen him go by and knew, oh, that's that Jesus guy. Or maybe they'd been present in a distance in a crowd when they saw him work a miracle. But still yet, they did not understand that Jesus was come to save them. So we look at them and we say, how could they be so dense? Hmm. Kind of a human thing, isn't it? Because we look at them and point that finger, we've got to look at us. They knew what we're reading right here. We know what happened a week later. We know that Jesus was crucified for us. We know that three days after that, he walked out of that grave, or probably burst out of that grave. We just didn't see it. But we know that he came out of that grave because he had conquered sin and death once again for us. But yet we look and say, why did they not understand? Why do we not understand? We looked last week how Jesus promised us that the Holy Spirit would help us. We've got better. We've got a more constant help with the Holy Spirit than those folks had with Jesus happening to walk by their neighborhood. Why do we not understand? So let's look at our connection point for today. An attitude of weeping for our city will help motivate us to get the good news of the gospel out. And we said, we're looking for this year's for our topic here for Engage Bristol, we're looking at Bristol as our Jerusalem. So why should we weep for our Jerusalem? Jesus wept because he cared. So let's take our bullets here on our outline. And just for a second, let's think about it a little differently. Let's insert care where weep is. Do we care for Bristol? Does Bristol recognize God? Do we care? Is Bristol filled with devastation? Yeah, we're not being bombed and our city's not being destroyed, thankfully. And we're not, you know, we're not starving and and huddled up in a cave out here in the valley somewhere. But Bristol is filled with devastation. Look around. We got broken families. We got hurting people. We got all kinds of struggles. More than that, we've got a multitude of folks that are lost. If they die today, they're going to spend eternity in hell. Do we care? Is Bristol populated with people that need to see the peace of Jesus? Do we care? You know, the people we come in contact with, people around us, the people we say we're witnessing to, they don't really care what we know or what we think or what we say. They can't see and feel that we care about them. So, yeah, we should weep for Bristol. We should weep for the all the all the gnarly stuff that's going on in our city, in our area. We should weep. Our hearts should break. But more than that, we should care enough to get engaged. We looked last week at Acts chapter 1, where Jesus said, you will be my witness. He didn't say maybe. He didn't say if it's convenient. He didn't say, well, when you grow up and you want to. He said, you will be my witness. So let's get back to that opening thought that we had in the joke. Jesus didn't say, I want you to be a model witness. He didn't say, I want you to be a little representation of a witness sitting up on the shelf somewhere. Jesus said, you will be my witness. To be his witness, you got to care enough to get engaged. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for all the blessings you poured out on us. Thank you for allowing us to assemble in your house here. And we thank you for Central and what Central has meant to this community for so many years. What Central means to so many of us. But Lord, you you lay an awesome responsibility on us. And it's what we need to do. It's where we are, where we're supposed to be. We are supposed to be your people who witness for you to reach the lost. I just pray that you would have your spirit at work. That we could leave this building today better equipped, better prepared, but more importantly, with our hearts more on fire, that we would do your work in our community. Help us, Lord, to be what you need us to be to make a difference for Bristol. It's in Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen.